Welcome back to the Nationally Sin Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on a program, Barbara Comstock. Uh, Barbara Comstock, easy for me to say, Barbara. I don't, know said, I don't know how many hundreds of times, I think. Uh, always love having you on the program. You so much perspective with your background, with the Justice Department, your service in the uh, Virginia legislature, and, of course, your time in the, uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, you have particularly a very unique uh, niche uh, when it comes to talking about uh, technology and the news, but we have talked about so many different things, and I'm always grateful for your wealth of experience and background. Glad to have you back on the show, and uh, we're going to do kind of an end-of-year review of some of the biggest stories, and you have uh, three in particular you wanted to focus on. As always, welcome. Why don't you set the stage for us? Well, sure. I, I think, first of all, you know, fortunately for all of us, I think we had a better economy than most economists predicted. So we certainly like that. You know, the Wall Street Journal headline uh, pre-Christmas was inflation ebbs, uh, confidence rises, and um, easing concern of a slowdown. And we had a record um, Dow and, uh, you know, gas prices are going down. And, you know, when your stocks are hitting an all-time high and consumer confidence is better and it looks like um you know retailers had a good christmas season i know um i did some good shopping for the grandkids and for everybody and i know i always hit that amazon prime and you know the the market was fueled by uh, you know what the companies we talk about a lot the magnificent 7 but it looks like now going into the new year um, other companies are going to join those Magnificent Seven in getting um, the economy going again. So that looks exciting uh, going into the new year that our economy will be in a lot better shape than expected. So that's number one. So we like that. Um, you know, number two, you know, Congress still has a lot of problems uh, dealing with um, our Israel situation, which over Christmas, you know, we're not happy when we see wars going on in Israel and Ukraine and then our border situation still being a problem. And so that's the deal that Congress couldn't get done before Christmas that still is facing Congress. And we certainly hope we will see that deal happen come the new year. And then um, we have our elections, uh, you know, pr certainly the presidential election, but we'll have to, you know, presidential election and then have our congressional elections um, next year. And it, while it looks like we will probably get a repeat of 2020 with a Trump versus Biden election, there has been, I think, a little bit of an upset with Nikki Haley having a moment. And she's now in many polls, both number two in Iowa <clears throat> and a pretty strong number two in New Hampshire. And with uh, Ron DeSantis fading in Iowa, um, it looks like, um, you know, if she can, you know, this, she's kind of hitting her stride at the right time where if she has an upset and is a strong number two in Iowa or even becomes number one, then that's going to bode very well for New Hampshire. Um, even if she's just number two in Iowa, she could very well uh, turn that into a number one in New Hampshire because she's been endorsed by Governor Sununu, who's been campaigning all around the state with her. So those are, you know, some yeah. pretty dynamic things going on and kind of all of those things go together. Of course, she's been a strong supporter of Ukraine and Israel, 
whereas Donald Trump has not been so great on those things. And, you know, you still have a majority of Republicans who are strong supporters of both, both in Congress and on the presidential front. Yeah. Okay, let's start with number one. And I'll probably ask you to remind me on two and three, because number one moves. Uh, attention. Actually, number two. I want to start with number two, uh, the Congress. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I have thought about it a lot lately. Um, when I was there in the 80s, I worked for Senator Gordon Humphrey from New Hampshire and uh, worked for Heritage Foundation, which back then was a respectable thing. <laughs> <laughs> I worked, you know, I worked, uh, you know, in the movement on the hill, that type of thing, and this kind of undercurrent of the less we do, the better. You know, the old kind of Republican uh, ideas that uh, uh, the best way to to, to make government not get out of control is to make sure government doesn't do a whole lot, and that attitude is pretty popular and pervasive, but it wasn't. The, the disruptive force that it is today, where they take pride in doing nothing. I'll, I'll never forget Kevin, Kevin uh, uh, McCarthy's speech in uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy's speech in, in defense of Jim Jordan, calling him a great legislator and his pursuit for uh, Speaker of the House. This is a guy who's, who's, you know, Jordan had been in Congress for 16 years and never got a piece of sponsored legislation passed. That's not a great legislator. I think the job of a legislator is to legislate. <laughs> I don't know, maybe something wrong with me. You can maybe help me, uh, Barbara. Um, <laughs> well, but, but I think you, here's my question. I'm sorry, no, it's a long one. Let me, let me finish yeah, yeah, my question. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, of You're, course, uh, yeah, that, that's why uh, Jim Jordan was not, uh, you know, elected speaker because he was disrupting everyone's legislation all the time. And of course, he's not a supporter of Ukraine. And, you know, that, that whole freedom caucus has been why even though they're a minority they have been you know wagging the dog you know the, the tail that's wagging the dog here and not getting yeah. things done and now they're getting attacked as the do nothing congress which is sad because it is there's still a majority of republicans um and i think nikki haley and actually chris christie also represent the majority of Republicans, even the majority of Republicans in Congress, that do support Ukraine, that do support Israel, and actually that do support those who want to get a border deal done. And that's where I think it would be smart for Joe Biden to take a sort of have a sister soldier moment and take a tough border deal and get this done. Because, you know, even though we have some on the left who don't want to do that, if he took that border deal, it would help him in those swing states and it would kind of pull the rug out from oh, under yeah. uh, certainly Trump if Trump were to be the nominee because, you know, a lot of uh, swing state Democrats want to have that border deal, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but to finish my question, I'm curious about you were in Congress. Uh, when you were in Congress, you know, I, I'm assuming you do think the majority are still serious today, maybe even bigger majority back then who were serious about governing than there is even today. I, I, I don't know. To me, it looks like it's been kind of that hush-hush secret that, you know, uh, dysfunctional government means government doesn't work, and that's kind of cool if you don't want government to do a lot. That, that's really what it feels like today. And I'm not saying that that's the majority, but it's the loudest. In that, yeah, in that there's, yeah, there's certainly um, more of those now, and they certainly are the louder ones who are speaking. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately, they are the louder ones. But there still are those, you know, those, uh, you know, 
Mike McCall, who's out there being a great leader on Ukraine. There are people like, you know, Don Bacon, um, who is out there leading, you know, against, uh, you know, people like um, Jim Jordan and, and, you know, making a stand. And, and those 20 who, you know, stood against Jim Jordan and were, you know, got death threats because of it. And, you know, you have the appropriators who are trying to get things done, trying to make this border deal and, you know, trying to, and then you have those in the Senate, you know, I mean, listen, nobody's been stronger than Mitch McConnell on getting aid to both um, Israel and Ukraine. And there are those who are trying to get this border deal done also in the Senate. I mean, they're picking it up in the Senate to get it done because they know, you know, the Freedom Caucus in the House will, will just kill this. And so I think they want to get the deal done in the Senate and, and then hopefully kind of roll over some of those in the House who won't get that deal done. So hopefully, you know, that will happen. Already, you know, uh, they did keep the government open, even though some of these House Freedom Caucus mem- members didn't like it done. So even Mike Johnson realized how bad it would look for him to have a shutdown kind of on his yeah. first month of being Speaker. So hopefully they will be able to roll those guys again. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Speaker Johnson is another do-nothing type leader. He's no more successful, had an incredibly short period of time to become Speaker in the House. Uh, basically, what they did is they chose a do-nothing person who at least isn't as offensive as Jim Jordan. I mean, the whole process news to choose a Speaker is frankly shocking to me. It, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's all about the GOP seems to be about all on uh, on the job training now. They don't want serious people. They don't want people who have experience. Uh, when you look at a Johnson, when you look at a Donald Trump, yeah, how do you learn to be become them? I mean, that it, it blows my mind. I I get very frustrated as I know you do as well. Talk a little bit, you know, and I'm I'm totally agree with you on this border situation. This is a, a great opportunity for both Biden and the uh, Republicans, and because you know, you know, the saying I think Ronald Reagan is one who said it. What is a what is a conservative but a liberal that's been mugged? Well, all of a sudden, leaders in Chicago and leaders in New York and leaders all across the country and sanctuary cities have been mugged by their own foolish policies. Uh, because they should share the burden, especially since they don't mind the burden uh, of uh, illegal immigration. And, uh, you know, that process, tactic, or what the re- Republican leaders in, in Florida and Texas has uh, developed a little empathy uh, for the people of New York, um, not just for the immigrants, but for their own people they're elected to represent. And, and it would be much smarter for uh, Biden to do that deal with Republican senators than to have the ugliness that Donald Trump has been, you know, his Hitler rhetoric and the the vermin rhetoric that he's done and the and the uh, poison, you know, poisoning our blood, ugly rhetoric that he's had. I mean, there is a serious middle ground case to be made here that I believe Joe Biden, you know, President Biden and um, Democrats and Republicans in the Senate can make with, you know, reasonable uh, people in the House that they can make that deal in the, and get aid to, you know, serious aid to Israel and Ukraine. And then, you know, then that will be something that will both help those, you know, those pe- those Republicans in swing districts. You know, so it'll be good policy. It'll be good politics. 
and particularly for uh, Speaker Johnson, who, you know, now has lost more seats in the House with Kevin McCarthy leaving and with expelling um, George Santos. So if he does the right thing on the border in Israel and Ukraine, he's also going to be helping his, um, you know, his most vulnerable members. And, you know, I think uh, President Biden will be helping himself and actually helping democracy save itself from uh, the worst instincts of uh, the former uh, president and, unfortunately, the current front runner uh, in the Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nauseating. They keep having this hopeful sense that something that there will be an awakening, but it's not happening. <laughs> well, you know, even you know, in talking about you know, in the uh, the Republican nomination, even uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who's supporting Donald Trump, is worried about how much Trump focuses on the past. And if you look just at yesterday's Christmas message, just such a sad and sick Christmas present from a Christmas message from Donald Trump where he's saying he hopes his enemies rot in hell. Who puts a Christmas yeah. message out like that? It's just, it's just sad. And, you know, he wants to be a dictator on day one. I mean, these are very, you know, sad things that, you know, with only 20 days left until the Iowa caucus. And that's why I do think there's an opening for um, Nikki Haley uh, in Iowa, because while you have, you know, DeSantis in free fall, such a joyless candidate, uh, DeSantis is, you know, Nikki Haley is a very joyful candidate. You know, she's kind of caught fire at the right time, you know, having worked on these races, you know, when you, you know, you know she is just kind of hitting her the stride at the right time when people are looking around and saying, okay, we have a guy telling us to rot in hell. We have another one who's just, you know, run out of money and run out of gas and his, his, uh, his own pollster is saying we're just trying to keep the patient comfortable about DeSantis. So this is the moment for Nikki Haley. She's got the opening to just, if she just stays on fire for 20 days, she really has an opportunity here. And Republicans have an opportunity to, you know, change, you know, turn the page, talk about the future, and maybe, you know, have a different shot here. Because I do think if they nominate Donald Trump, who's going to probably be spending more time in court than on the campaign trail because of his, what, five, six legal cases and many more to come. And he's going to be spending more of his campaign money on his legal cases. And then if he gets the nomination, taking the RNC money and putting that in court, that is going to be a big problem for the Republican Party um, when instead they could turn the page and, you know, go a whole different direction. But you know, that's kind of, you know, that's not what they've been doing. And, you know, they keep uh, endorsing him and even candidates who you think are normal senators and members of Congress keep endorsing Trump because they're kind of afraid of his base. They're afraid of him. And unfortunately, instead of taking the opportunity to turn the page, they keep going that direction. So, you know, in 20 days, we'll we'll see if there's a new path to go and, and and actually january 19th is also when they may or may not shut down the government so kind of mid-january we're we're going to see if we're going to have a uh a big disaster for republicans or if there's a new way of doing things <laughs> so pretty much in the yeah, new year yeah we probably should have done the whole segment. i was going to say we probably should have done the whole segment just on this because of time because there's a lot to talk about 
But I do want to mention that you uh, brought up. I do want to say I also concur that the only real logical choice still in the race is Mickey Haley. And she is articulate, she is solid, and she's courageous in my opinion. She's uh, definitely uh, the only thing that uh, of the candidates that I, I think seem viable to me. Um, but let's talk about number one. And, you know, this is it's doing better. Inflation did go down. But then you saw the pandemonium taking out a place in the uh, Suez Canal last week and creating fears because so much of this improvement, I think, is the fact, is due to the fact that gas prices have become more under control. And, uh, you know, it, it's a very fragile, fragile uh, recovery. Uh, your thoughts on it and its robustness. Oh, I know. No, I mean, actually, that's, you know, when we look, you know, we've been coming out of the pandemic and, and you know, supply chain issues, and then you have something like that where you worry about what is the new supply chain issue? You know, what are the resilience issues out there that we're going to have to worry about? So, you know, you're exactly right. You know, that's, and that is why we need to, you know, get that aid to Israel, make sure, you know, uh, things in the Middle East that we are, you know, we are, you know, going to, you know, provide all the help that we can and, and understand that we can't be isolationists. We cannot be an isolationist country because things like this happen where we have to be engaged, whether we like it or not. And it's better that our that we're supporting our allies, whether it's in Ukraine or in Israel, because if we're supporting our allies and, and helping them like that, then there's less opportunities for these opportunistic, you know, bad guys to be out there, you know, taking actions like this, because when we retreat, that allows these kind of opportunistic, you know, things to happen. And, you know, this this is why those, you know, the Matt Gates of the world and the Marjorie Taylor Greens who want to do the, you know, 1930s isolationism, you know, we know how that movie ends and it's not good. And it ends up costing us more in dollars and in lives. And, you know, we've had Ukraine, they're fighting, and, and it has been, um, you know, all the money that we have invested there has been without cost to American lives. These people have been fighting, you know, heart and soul and been one, you know, just been champions. And for all of Europe, they have saved us because if this spills over into NATO, then we are obliged to get engaged. And it is going to be much more costly for us, both in, you know, financially and in lives. And so this, you know, it is just foolish for the isolationists among us. And as you mentioned, the Heritage Foundation has gone fully isolationist, which is a sad totally. thing to see. You know, Ronald Reagan would never, you know, this is not, you know, the Republican Party that you and I, uh, you know, grew up with. And, and I don't no. think it will be uh, that, I don't think it'll stay that way. I mean, these Putin apologists, I mean, these people are just fully, Putin apologist and and nothing more and it is just a sad thing. Absolutely. To yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I I I think Gene Patrick was a senior fellow at Heritage when I got there. Uh, I mean, I yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And you're right. It, because reality is going to force it to change because this kind of isolationism creates the type of epic failure that leads to a long-term damage to a brand. Just look, frankly, at the Republicans' World War, you know, World War II and uh, Wendell Wilkie and how he, you know, uh, advocated policies that still lingered after Roosevelt. He knew how strong those those sentiments were. It just doesn't work, and uh, we have to do it a different way. I, I got about 
two or three minutes left. Real quickly, number three. Yes. Oh, well, on, on, on our elections. Well, I think, you know, Virginia this year, Virginia is always a preview of what's to come. And so I think we're going to have a very close election season. And, you know, in Virginia, even though we had a very popular governor who is a great fundraiser, um, you know, we, it came down to, you know, uh, you know, we, we were, you know, we were out fundraised and we were, um, it, it, we were beat, you know, in Virginia. So I think, you know, given right now, it looks like a, you know, Trump versus Biden rematch. I think, you know, usually incumbents win reelection. Donald Trump was an exception to that rule um, because, you know, he was a divider, not a uniter. I think yeah. in a good economy, uh, Biden, stands to be reelected um, unless, you know, we change to be a much more future-oriented Republican Party that's, you know, united, not being led by a divider. So oh, I my. think, you know, Republicans, you know, can't be shutting down the government and dividing the country. They've got to really change, and they've got to change quickly. And like I said, you know, January is going to tell whether Republicans decide to be a party that wants to change direction and be uniting the country or if they're going to stay on this divisive path with a leader of the past who's been losing, you know, since 16, Donald Trump has been losing elections to Republicans. Nothing but a loser. Yeah. 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 With the 2022, (laughs) you know, who would have predicted that Joe Biden would have uh, FDR success on an off-year election? Because you've got to go back that far to find that kind of success. He ain't no FDR. And I'm not an FDR fan, but, but, but most people are. You know how history works. And, uh, you know, he's no FDR. It was really a referendum on Donald Trump 2022, exactly. was, in my the opinion. Exactly. If Trump's the nominee, it'll be a referendum. It'll be a negative election about Trump, and it'll be a referendum on Trump. And it's going to look like it'll be also a very good economy. So, you know, uh, you know, incumbents usually win, and incumbents with a good economy usually win. So, yeah, and, and, and winners, a four yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that yeah, twice impeached, four times indicted. Uh, Donald Trump is not looking to the past. Is not a good prospect to have on on your ticket. <laughs> I got to wrap up with that, but I do want to mention Barbara. You said something that I need, and you know, I've been saying before, and need to keep saying again. I get angry at Trump, and the more angry people are at Trump, frankly, it helps him. That's what he lives on. He lives on, you know, anger. You know, and you said something that, you know, about how savage was his response in his Christmas message. I think we who are concerned about Trump should use the language of sadness rather than of anger, because, A, in reality, it is quite sad that someone like this could be in a leadership position, and, B, uh, I think that uh, people are going to be more inclined to support Trump to listen to sympathetic people rather than people who are just reacting, which feeds into their own narrative. So I encourage people to, to really take that lesson away from our conversation, too. Barbara, always love having you on. Great. And uh, we'll see what I think Joy is full on the trail. Somebody like Nikki Haley is a little bit more uplifting than uh, someone who's a sad <laughs> look at the past. So great. Yeah, I, I, I think Haley is a logical choice based on our current dynamics. No question about it. Thanks so much. Happy New Year. Look forward to having you back on then. Take care. Happy New Year. This is Kevin Price, and this is The Price of Business.